This is God's church. This is God's will. This is God's word. I'm God's messenger. So I'll preach what I believe I'm told, when I believe I'm told. If it fits the holiday, fine. If it don't, fine. Moms, you may get it next week. Who knows? But this morning, we're going to look at the book of Ephesians. We're going to start out in verse number 25. The Word of God, I use this in weddings a lot. Actually, I use it in all weddings because it starts out. It says, husbands, love your wives. Well, I hope you got that one down to the science already. I mean, if you're standing here and we're about to join the two of you together, I hope you love your wife, but I hope you understand, husbands, what that means about your wife that's going to be the mother of your children. Love your wife. That's not a puppy love. That's not a temporary love. That ain't I love her now and I'm going to love her tonight after we're married. That is, I'm going to love her when times get bad. I'm going to love her when the chips are down. I'm going to love her when the finances are bad. I'm going to love her when the world turns upside down. I'm going to love her when the world brings trials and tribulation and all kinds of problems. It is a commandment from God Almighty. Men, you are to love your wives. He goes on and says, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. If the church means that much to Jesus Christ, it ought to mean something to those of us who have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? That he might sanctify it and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. That he might present it to himself a glorious church. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. But that it should be holy and without blemish. I want to look at a message this morning. And I'll go ahead and tell you it's somewhat preaching to the choir if you will. You're the ones that's here. You're also the ones that's talking to those that aren't here. You're also the ones that are talking to those that aren't in church on Sunday mornings or occasionally in church on Sunday mornings. So I understand you're here. So take this for what it's worth. Let God move on you. Let God speak to you. But let God charge you and strengthen you because we got to go out into a world and reach a world that's not in church and tell them about Jesus Christ. I want to bring a message this morning. It's a simple title. Why church? God, thank you so much for being so incredibly good, God. Lord, thank you for all the things that you've made and all the things, God, that everything bows down, even the stars worship you, God. Lord, I pray you'd help us to be pleasing to you, be what you'd have us to be, God. I pray you'd move in this place today, God. I pray that you'd move through the airways, you'd move on live stream, you'd move throughout YouTube, however you please, God. I pray you'd move, I pray you'd touch hearts, I pray you'd change lives, I pray you'd do what only you could do, God. I pray you'd stir something up within us, God. I pray you'd make me a usable vessel right now. Forgive me, cleanse me of anything that would hinder your Holy Spirit from filling me up, God. I pray you'd help me. Lord, I pray you'd preach through me with love and compassion, but yet with strength and assurance, God, as I speak your holy word. Lord, we love you. You've been good to us. We thank you and we praise you. In the precious, sweet, holy name of Jesus, amen. What's wrong with America today is the failing church. It's easy to point to Washington, and I won't deny that Washington has its issues. I won't deny that those knuckleheads up there across the board are in a wrong direction. But they're not what's wrong with America. Matter of fact, I said it on Wednesday night. I'll go ahead and plug it in again. We get the kind of government we deserve. The reason we're getting what we're getting is because the country has turned away from God. Christians aren't worshiping God. Those who call themselves Christians aren't in church on Sunday mornings, Wednesday nights, any other time for that matter. So what's wrong with America truly has nothing to do with Washington. We're getting what we deserve out of Washington. What is wrong with America is the church. 
And I don't mean the church as a whole, but those of us who make up the church. Those of us who are a part of the church. Somewhere in the past, and I think it was probably at the last deacons meeting, somebody made the statement. They said, for the first time in the history of America, less than 50% of Americans are attending any type of worship service. Now, I understand that that includes false gods, fake gods. That includes false worship, and that throws in some Jehovah's Witness and all kinds of stuff that are not worshiping a true God, that are not worshiping true salvation. That includes those who will come on occasional Sunday morning, you know, Mother's Day, Easter, and Christmas. That, that includes every form of worship. Less than half of the Americans now attend any type of worship service. But... Churchleaders.com, and I want you to understand that this study that I'm talking about here was done in 2016. That was before COVID. That was before this great falling away that we seem to be seeing in the churches where they're occupied by much less numbers than they were before COVID. In 2016, the study showed that less than 20% of all Americans regularly attended church. If you look at any church, you'll find it to be true. You'll find that there's a big turnover. You'll find that there's a lot who come occasionally. What you'll find out is that the true body of a church is a small portion of that church actually attends every Sunday. You'll also find that 20% or less of every part of that congregation is doing all of the work within the house of God. So you've got a small handful of people that are working themselves to death, which means an extremely small percentage of the Christians are actually living their life to fulfill the preaching of the gospel. The question people ask is, why do I need to go to church? Because the Word of God tells us to. I'm going to look this morning at several excuses is what people use why they don't go to church or don't go to church regularly. And I'm going to look at several things that the Word of God says is why we're supposed to be in church. So I told you I'm preaching to the choir, so go ahead and load your guns. You're going to need it. In today's world, people say, why can't I just listen to preaching online? Well, you should be. Just, just not, not this morning. morning. You should, you should be listening to preaching online seven days a week. You ought to have some, pre- some, some favorite preachers. There's some good preachers, preachers online. There's, There's some, some jokes, jokes online. online. Same, Same thing behind pulpits. There's people who are called by God to preach the gospel. You need to listen to them. There's those who are out there to get your attention and get your money. You need to turn them off. But you need to listen to preaching every single day of your life. It stirs the soul. I I have to. I mean, I don't want to hear me. They ain't getting nothing out of that. It's the same with us. We ought to be listening to preaching on a daily basis. But that's not church. That's not coming together in the house of God. People rightfully say, well, this building isn't the church. You and I are the church. Well, that's the absolute truth. But you've got to look at the plurality of that. You and I together in the house of God. I'm not the church. You're not the church. The building's not the church. When we come together corporately as the body of Jesus Christ, as a body of believers, the redeemed of the Lamb, washed in the blood, all of our sins erased, names written down in glory, headed to heaven when we die, when we come together in the house of prayer, in one accord to worship Him, that's church. And you can't get that anywhere but at church. The church is the gathering of the saints for corporate worship. The church is a recharging station if you're going to live a Christian life. I mentioned it recently, but I'm I'm going to mention it again. 
just because it fits. But about 10 years ago, probably, I filled in for Pastor Freeman here, and I preached a message on RU a 5.5. I, I, I mentioned it recently. I, how many of you were here and heard RU a 5.5? A handful, a very small number. So the deal with RU a 5.5, I was using a metric socket. Most of you know I moved mobile homes my whole life, manufactured housing, whatever you want to call it. It's just manual labor work. And when we lose or break two or three sockets, it's easier on expensive sockets just buy a whole set than it is to buy those two or three, so we'd buy sets. And one of the things you learn in small sets is every time you buy it, you get a 5.5 metric socket, and I've yet to ever figure out what it's for. To my knowledge, I don't know that I've ever used one of them. I must have thrown away 100 because I got another 100. Every time you get one, they're there. But there has to be a purpose for it. I will say this, if there was not a purpose for a 5.5, Christians, pay attention. Some of us may not be used as often, but there is a purpose because when that 5.5 socket is needed, probably nothing else will get down in there and do it. But I don't want to be a 5.5. I don't want to get used once in my life. I want to be at least a 9.16. I want to be something that you pull out of the toolbox all the time on a regular basis. So on that day, I brought a table here. I set up on a table a whole set of DeWalt tools. And I said, these are the tools that I use to make my living. These are the things I have to have. I had a half-inch impact, half impact wrench. Now, a half-inch impact wrench is amazing. And, and there's no way we could do manufacturing. Well, we could. It was just a whole lot harder before we had them. But, but that, that impact wrench is no good at all if I don't have a complete set of sockets. I, I got to have 15 sixteenths and an inch and an eighth to do the hitches, three quarters to do axles, 13 sixteenths, seven eighths to do the tires, nine sixteenths to run lags. You got to have all of the sockets. And if you don't have the sockets, then the wrench does you no good. I brought a Sawzall. Sawzall is an amazing tool, man. You can cut up all kinds of stuff as long as you have some blades. It's useless if you don't have an assortment of blades. You're going to cut some sewer pipe, water pipe. You need some all-purpose blades. You're going to cut the electrical. You need something to cut some metal, to cut those wires, and to cut the deck solution, to cut some tree limbs out of the way. You need some wood blades. So the Sawzall is amazing as long as you have all the other components, but it's worthless by itself. Same thing with a drill motor. A drill, a drill is awesome. If you don't have a full assortment of bits, they ain't going to do you any good, right? The little impact drivers that they made, I brought one of them, one of the handiest tools they ever made for us. Man, putting lights on and off, it sped our day up so much, running screws in, holding walls together. It did so much for us. But if you don't have a full assortment of bits to, to fit that thing, it's useless. The same thing is true in the house of God. There, there's different tools, and some may be used more than others. Some may be put together with others, but it takes the entire body to be what God's called us to be. It takes all of us working together as one that, that God might use us. We are the body of Christ. Everybody is necessary. But this was my main point that day. It doesn't matter how many tools I have, and it doesn't matter how many assortments I have with it. If I don't take time to charge those batteries, everything I have is useless, and I'll get nothing done. The same thing is true with a Christian. If you're going to put out a Christian life every day, I'm not saying if you're going to live your life every day. I'm not saying if you're going to go to work and put out whatever. I'm saying if you want to live a Christian life, if you want to put out, if you want to sow into others, if you want to be a godly example to those around you at work, if you want to be a godly example to your classmates, if you want to put out positive energy, 
filled with the Holy Spirit to make a difference in the lives of those around you, you've got to come to a charging station. You've got to come to a place to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You've got to come to a place where you connect to the power of the source and we worship in one accord and we walk out energized that God might use us to reach somebody. We have to come together in a corporate worship. So what does the Bible say about going to church? Well, I've had plenty of people say, the Bible doesn't say anything about having to go to church, so I can just read my Bible at home. Well, that's absolutely true, and I hope you are. You need to be reading your Bible every morning when you get out of bed. You need to be reading it during lunch. You need little reminders set about every two hours on your phone. Here's a free, free little tidbit for you. Go into one of the Bible apps, put a reminder, and every two hours to pop up a verse of the day. Every two hours you get a verse. You'd be amazed how much God will just put something right on time when you was just fixing to punch somebody in the nose. And they come up with love thy neighbor as thyself. Like, God, I mean, you're in my phone. You, 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 you'd be amazed if you put scripture in you throughout the day what to do. So I hope you're reading your Bible. I hope you're reading it every morning and all throughout the day. I hope you're reading it at night. But if you are reading your Bible, then you know that it says you're supposed to be in church. Well, that was all free. God help us. Jesus obviously assumed that we'd go to church. At no point does he ever really just try to sell the deal and explain church, explain you why you want to be there, and you go, aha, aha, nothing. God said in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The earth was out form and void and darkness upon the face of the deep. The Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw the light that it was good. God divided the light from the darkness. The light he called day, the darkness he called night. The evening and the morning were the first day. At no point does he ever try to convince you that's true. He assumes that we ought to know, since he was the only one that was here, he's the only one that breathed breath into the things that live, he's the only one that spoke into creation all that there is, he's the one that formed us out of the dust of the earth and breathed breath into the nostrils. He just assumed we're supposed to take God at his word. Can I tell you, he's right. We're supposed to take God at his word. If you don't believe the book, you don't believe God. If you don't believe God, you have no chance of salvation until you get that right. God is the ultimate authority. He is the ultimate creator. Jesus Christ is the only salvation, the only way, truth, and the life. Amen? So Jesus encouraged us in everything that he did. He encouraged us by going to church himself. He says in Luke chapter 4, verse number 16, it says that he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up as a child. And as his custom was, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for the read. As his custom was. That means that on every Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue. On the seventh day, he was there at what would have been church at the time. This is before the cross. This is before the empty tomb, the resurrection. This is before the coming of the Holy Spirit there in Acts chapter 2. Jesus Christ attended gatherings. Every Sabbath, he was there. Jesus says that we're the bride of Christ. The Word of God calls us the bride of Christ. That means, how, how many of you, you men, you better raise your hand. Outside of God, how many of you, your wife, is the most important thing in your life? Take a picture, Dale, quick. Anybody ain't got their hand up, you one sabotage unit. Now, if Christ says that the bride is the most important thing, when we say church is not important to us, what we're saying is what's important to Christ isn't important to me. I'm sorry, you guys say, I didn't say that. Yes, you did. 
Actions always speak louder than words. Another reason to be in church according to the word of God is because Christians have gone to church to worship together since the beginning of, of the church age. We currently live in the dispensation period of grace. We live in what is called the church age, and we'll be in it until Christ comes and calls the church out. And since the beginning of the church age, in the dispensation period of grace, Christians have gone to church. Matter of fact, I could go all the way on back, all the way to when God called Israel, the nation of Israel, and called them Jews and made them his people through Abraham, all the way back to the establishment of God's people. There's been a gathering together. That's what the seventh day was. That's what the Sabbath day was. But now we're in the New Testament church. So I'm going to stay out of the Old Testament for this morning. I'm going to just stay right here in New Testament believers. From the very beginning, believers went to church. That, that was what the church was doing. They were gathered together. The Holy Spirit, when he gathered there in Acts chapter 2 and verse number 1, when the day of Pentecost, was fully come. They were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled the house where they were sitting. This is after the Passover when the Holy Spirit came and he started the church on the 50th day after the Passover. The number 50 always represents the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. This is the day after the Feast of Weeks, or the seven weeks of seven would have been an old Jewish custom. So what we find is on the first day of the week, the Holy Spirit fell. Peter preached, and, a, and about 3,000 souls were added to the church on that day. We know that Jesus Christ rose, being the first day of the week. The Holy Spirit came the first day of the week. Paul said, 1 Corinthians 16, 1, concerning the collection of the saints, as I've given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store, as God hath prospered him that there be no gatherings when I come. Acts chapter 2, verse 42, I just mentioned that Peter preached, and about 3,000 souls were added to the church that day. Verse number 42, they continued steadfastly in apostles and doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. That word steadfastly there, it means that they were diligent. They were diligent. They were earnest towards attending services together. They were earnest towards gathering and worshiping together. They were earnest towards that coming together and praying together. 1 Timothy 3, 14, these things I write unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. But if I tarry long, that thou may knowest how thou ought to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. So we see that going to church has been essential from the beginning. We also know that Hebrews 10, 25 tells us that at no point are we ever to cease going to church. Let us hold fast, verse number 23. The profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promise. Let us consider one, to one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. Ephesians chapter 4, we see the appointing offices within the church. This would be the gifting of those within the church. Verse number 11 so he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers. But here's why. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Albert Barnes says in his commentary that the object here is to show that he has made ample provision for the extension and edification of his church. Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verse number 4, For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and everyone members one of another. It's the word of God here that says we are the body of Christ. We are to work together as one to form a 
complete body. Every one of us has different gifts. Every one of us has different talents. There are some 9 16th sockets. There are some 5 8 wrenches. There are some impact wrenches. There, there are some batteries. There are different parts. Together, we make up the whole toolbox. And when any part of that is missing, then we do not have a complete body. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 10 says that we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. I want you to understand, Christians, what you do and do not do is being judged. When you do and do not come to church, it's being judged. When you do and do not serve in ministries, it's being judged. When you do and do not serve God, it's being judged. This, this judgment seat of Christ is for Christians. This isn't for the world. The world will be at the great white throne of judgment. You don't want to be at that one, and they wish they could be at this one. That's one when they're cast into outer darkness. There's weeping and gnashing of teeth. That is eternal separation from God. This is for the children of God at the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to he had done, whether it be good or bad. So there will be rewards, Christians. You're not working in vain. Not only will God bless you in this life, but there's all of eternity. There will be rewards for those who did the things that God gave us to do, but there will be loss of rewards, not loss of salvation. There will be loss of rewards for not doing the things that God gave us to do. So the bottom line is this. When it comes to the church, you are important. I said when it comes to the church, you are important. You are a vital piece. If you're here as part of Faith Baptist Church, you are a vital piece of Faith Baptist Church. You are an important piece. We need you. You have gifts that we don't have without you here. You have abilities that we don't have without you here. God plans to do something in you and through you that is yours to do. We need you here. There's someone here who will be blessed by you. You say, that's not true. Nobody even knows if I'm there or not. I can prove to you that's not true. You bless me just by being here. If you don't do anything for anybody else. To see you come in the door, to see you sitting there is blessing me. But I'll go ahead and tell you something else. You're blessing other Christians. There's somebody in this church right now that's blessed by the very fact that you're here. They're just glad to see that you were here today. But reason number two, whether you want to admit it or not, you need us. You need the church if you're going to walk a Christian life. You need to be blessed by others. You need to be strengthened by others. You need to be encouraged by others. You need to be able to gather around and pray with others. The Word of God tells us as a church, we are to come together. We're supposed to worship. Ephesians 4.16 says, From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working of the measure of every part. Maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. 1 Corinthians 12, 12. For as the body is one and hath many members, all the members of that one body being many or one body, so also is Christ. See, technically we don't go to church. Technically we are the church. And when you're not here, then the church isn't complete. You're a necessary part of the church. If, if we look at our own body... If we were to go to a doctor and there was an issue and they severed a part of our body, that's called a dismemberment, right? If we lose any part of the body, if they were to lose an arm or a leg, if we were to lose hearing, lose eyesight, anything that, that we were to lose of a part like that, then from that point forward, we would be considered handicapped. 
Now, don't go getting all bent out of shape because I said you were handicapped. Let, let me give you the definition that most of us probably took time to figure out. Let me, let me tell you what handicap means. Handicap is a circumstance that makes progress difficult. That's handicap. There's something in your life, something happens that makes progress difficult. When the church is missing you, progress is difficult because it's not a whole. We, a member of the body is severed from the whole, and that makes progress difficult. Now, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. If they sever a member of the body, if they remove a member of the body, then the body is now handicapped because progress is now difficult. But the member of the body that was severed will lay to itself and die. Amen. Anybody still awake? The part of the body that is separated from the body, left to itself, will die. The devil is just looking for an isolated sheep. The devil is just looking for you to be out of church. The devil is just looking for you to get off out to the side. It is not good for us to be alone, isolated away from other Christians. That's who the devil's looking for to devour. The reason lions don't just charge into a herd of Cape buffalo, because it probably wouldn't work out too good for them. They lay low in the grass with them sneaky little eyes. And they look out there for the one that looks weak. They look for the one that's not paying attention. They look for the one that wanders off to itself and gets out here because that's their prey. The devil does the same thing to you and I. He doesn't come charging up into the church trying to destroy you here. He's looking for the one that's laying out on Sundays. He's looking for the one that's not involved in the ministries. He's looking for the one that's quit reading his Bible in the morning. He's looking for the one that's getting weak out there to decide that he might jump in and devour it. That's what the enemy does. When he finds that one who's out there isolated alone, before you know it, he starts playing with the mind. And he starts bringing in things like depression. He starts bringing in things like anxiety, hopelessness. Helplessness. If the devil can get you out away from your brothers and sisters in Christ, away from your Christian fellowship, away from your Christian strength, he will take you out. Another point from the Word of God, we look at this verse often where Jesus said in John chapter 13, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. You can't love the Lord and not love his church. Oh, that one's got a sting to it. You can't love the Lord and have a desire to worship him if you have no desire to come to the house of worship. If you love the Lord, you'll love the Lord's people. A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another. As I have loved you, that ye also Love one another. If you can't love the Lord's people, then you have a problem with your relationship with the Lord. Well, that's tough Sunday morning preaching, ain't it? People make all kinds of excuses as to why they don't come to church or, or why they get away from church, fall out of church. Paul Hutchins said it a couple weeks ago in his message. Excuses only sound good to the people making them. They're going to sound so silly at the judgment seat of Christ when you try to convince God why you weren't here. The one common thread that you hear in every excuse, it never changes. The one common thread in every excuse, no matter what the excuse is, this thread always exists as a common. I. I. I want. I like. 
I don't want. I don't like. I don't need. Everything's about I. It has nothing to do with what does God want me to do. Excuses have nothing to do with where does God want me to be. How can I serve God more? Everything falls down to I. They say, well, I practice my faith in other ways. No, you don't. No, you don't. You practice something, but you do not practice because faith in God is obedience to God. And to disobey God is a lack of faith in God. So if you're standing home doing something else, you're practicing something, but you're not practicing faith in God. People say, well, I don't like organized religion. Well, come on to church. Praise God. I don't either. Church isn't about religion. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's a personal one-on-one. This is not my relationship. This is when I get to come together and love together and love and worship with my family. My relationship is on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and anything that might slide in between there on Sunday is just a culmination where I get to come together. The church isn't about religion. The church is about a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's about us getting to come together and assemble and worship God Almighty. It's not organized religion. It's an organized gathering of God's children. An organized form of worship. It's an organized study of the Word of God. It's not about religion. I hear this one a lot. I just haven't found a church that I like. Well, you can't be looking very hard if you live around LaGrange, Georgia. You may not like me. That's fine. You may not like this church. All that's your business. But I promise you this. There are a lot of amazing churches in LaGrange, Georgia. And if you say, I can't find a church I like, there's two problems. Number one, you ain't looking very hard. And number two is that I problem we just talked about. You got a serious what I like problem. I, man, I don't know if I need to preach it hard on Sunday morning or not. A, a good church is not the church that makes everything about you. A good church is not the church that's looking to please you. Oh, y'all really going to turn me off now. A good church is not the church that has to do your favorite kind of music and sing your favorite song every Sunday and send a text out to make sure you're okay with it before we sing it. <laughs> to be just straight up honest, a good church has absolutely nothing to do with pleasing you. A good church is founded on the principles of the authority of the word of the living God. A good church preaches from the foundation from in the beginning to amen. A good church preaches everything in this book, leaves nothing out, and is not ashamed to preach any of it. A good church does not preach anything of the gospel that does not come out of this book. A good church is one that tells people how to be saved, tells people how to love. Matter of fact, a good church is a church that preaches and tells you, you need to be in church. You need to be involved in worship. You need to be in the house of God. You need to quit faking it and start living it. You need to get sold out for the things of God. You need to quit claiming you're a Christian and living like the devil. Amen. Anybody coming back next week? I just need to know whether or not I need to be studying. If I'm going to be by myself, I won't have to preach quite as hard. I've been preaching to me all week long. When you go to a good church looking for the right things, God will meet with you there. When you go to a good church looking for the right things, God will meet with you there. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 12, Take heed, brethren, lest there be any, in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if, don't leave out the if, if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. 
A lot of people simply church hop from one church to another. Eventually, they finally wind up falling out of church. The reason they hop from one church to another is because that church didn't do what it needed to please them. They get to another church that didn't do what it wanted to please them. They hopped to another church that didn't do what they wanted to please them. Before you know it, they hopped right on out of church. And you can't get them to come back. They're, they're, they're looking for what they can get out of church instead of what can I do in church. How can I serve my God? How can I serve the one that paid my debt, the one that ransomed my soul, the one that old things passed away? Behold, all things became new. The one that wrote my name down in the Lamb's book of life that no man can erase it. The one that has gone to prepare a place for me and he's coming back to get me again. What can I do to serve him? What can I do to live my life pleasing to him? Some people go to church looking for selfish gain. Well, things ain't going too good. I really wish I could get married and I can't find a mate. Maybe I go to church, I could find one there. Maybe I could get married. Or maybe you are married. Man, my marriage ain't going too good. We got a lot of problems, a lot of things going on. Maybe if I go to church, God bless my marriage. Well, I, I will plug this in as a freebie. If your marriage is in trouble, church is a good place to start. Amen. You get in touch with JB and get some help with some marriage matters. The church is a good place to start. I'll give you that one if your marriage is in trouble. Well, my finances are bad. Maybe if I go to church, God will bless me and, and, and give me all kind of money. If those are your reasons for going to church, none of those things may happen because you're there for the wrong reason. See, it's not, it's not if I go to church, then maybe God would bless me with a good marriage. No, no. Because I am in church, I am in a good marriage. I am the bride of Christ. It, it's not, well, maybe if I go to church and... Then, then God will bless my, my family and, and we'll all, all my children will do right and everything will be good. No, it's, it's because I am involved in the church and I'm a part of the church. I have a good family. I am in the family of the living God. It's not if I go to church, then maybe God will take care of my finances and, and I'll be rich. No, it's because I am in Christ. I'm already rich. I already have all the blessings of God. So, so when people try church for a few weeks in order to get what they want, and then they fall out and they say, well, church just isn't for me. No, church absolutely is for you. You're just looking for the wrong thing. Matthew 6, says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added unto you. You come looking for the things and wanting the blessings of God to come behind it. You got it out of order. Lord, help us. When we make church about worship, the Holy Spirit will make it about us. When we want blessings and that's our motivation to come to church, we're there for the wrong reasons. See, when, when our motivation to come to church is because we want God to do things for us, basically what that is saying is God is my genie in a bottle. Maybe if I go to church and rub the magic lamp, then God will give me all of, all of my wishes. God is not looking to be your genie in a bottle. To give you all of your wishes. Wives, moms, do your job right here nudging. Wake him up. Don't let nobody sleep. God don't give me many revelations, but you're going to want to hear this one. God is not looking to be your genie in a bottle to give you your dreams. God is looking to be your God. To build a relationship with you. To give you more than you could ever dream. But it's up to us to surrender to him. I have not seen, ear hath not heard, neither hath entered into the heart of the man. So things which God has prepared. You can't even imagine what God has in store. But we've got to come for the right reasons. Some people say, well, I've been hurt by the church. Well, in the first place, no, you hadn't. Mm -mm. You got hurt by somebody in the church. 
But the church, the body of believers in Jesus Christ, did not rise up against you and bring harm your way. Now, I'll, I'll, let me just give you a little free, right, a little, little free piece right here. If you've been hurt anywhere, the, the, key, the key to your ability um, to heal lies in your ability to forgive. How, how can I say that better? If someone has hurt you and you want to be healed, you will be healed when you forgive them. Ephesians 4.32, be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. But even if you won't, and even if you don't, even if you hold a grudge against an individual, you can't hold what somebody did against the entire church. I'll give you one more for those of you who have children while we're here all happy on Mother's Day and having such a good time. If you've got children, it is your responsibility to take them to church. Ooh, Lord have mercy, I'm fixing to open up a can of worms right here and get in trouble. It is your responsibility to come to church with your children. If you bring them and drop them off on this campus for any service at any time of the week, drop them off and go on about your day, then what you're telling them is just, just another form of daycare here. It really ain't that important to me. What you're teaching your children by your example, you ain't got to like this. You ain't got to come back, but I got to preach what I got to preach. I'm sorry. I'm just trying to help you. When you were dropped, I'm trying to help you before your children get to the age where you can't do anything about it. And they've got so old, you can't teach them. If you're dropping your children off, what you're saying by your example is when you're little like you, church is important because mom and dad makes you go. But when you get big like me and can make your own choices, you don't have to come anymore. You say that's not what I'm teaching them, but it is. Your children will follow your example of way a lot more than they're going to follow your words. Lord, when you bring your children with you, and you come bring your children to the house of God, and you're here, you're following the commandments of God to train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he's old and not depart from it. That doesn't guarantee your child's salvation. Let me point that out to you. What that means is you bring them to church and train them up. They will never forget what they were taught. The word of God that is instilled in them will never leave them. They may never get saved, but I can tell you this. If through their life and growing up, if you made them go to church, I don't care how they got there. My mama made me and it worked for me. You make them go to church, what they learn will never depart from their mind. They will remember about God. They will remember about Jesus Christ. They will remember about the blood. They will remember about salvation. And what we know about salvation goes a long way towards getting us saved. Amen. As Christians... We're to teach our children diligently. I'm going to read this one next week because I'll read it at all baby dedications. And, and we've got a, we got a tax baby, December 31st dedication next week. Come right in time. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. I'll read it again to moms and dads. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. These words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. Shall talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand. They shall be as frontless between thine eyes. Thou shalt write them upon the, go the, the post of thy house and on thy gates. You need to have your children in church. You need to set an example. It is to fulfill the scriptures. It is another godly reason, moms and dads, why you need to be in church with your children. Church through the scriptures teaches children how we ought to live. 
It teaches good and bad. It teaches right from wrong. It teaches them how to treat others. It teaches children how to respect authority. It comes straight from the Word of God. It teaches how we ought to behave. It teaches about good work ethics in the job. It teaches about being a good sportsman in sports. It, it teaches how we ought to live. It teaches them about character. It teaches how we ought to be an example of the things of Christ. Those are the things that are instilled in the children. It teaches about the importance of the home. It teaches about the importance of marriage, things that they need to learn before they get up and get to that age. Well, before anybody goes to sleep, man, y'all come on. They'll get excited if they think I'm closing. <laughs> here's the truth about church. And here's the truth about life, straight, straight from the Word of God. Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. If anybody is still on live stream... You're hanging on the edge. You're probably going probably to lose you right here before I get out of this one. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all for the glory of God. Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 15. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you also are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. I'm sorry, but staying home and listening to preaching, staying out of church, is not done for the glory of God. If people are staying home because they're sick, and I know we have a few families this week that have COVID and some are quarantined, let me just start out by telling you thank you. You don't have to turn me off. You can stay with us. I appreciate you staying home because what I've seen out of that stuff, I don't want it. Sinus infections, there's a stomach virus going on. God help you. I hate those things. Thank you for staying home because those of us don't have it, don't want it. And, and we don't want you to put your children back there and give it to them and bring it home and give it to us either. So for those that are truly sick, uh, praying for you, I understand that two days of quarantine about killed me those two Sundays. I understand what you're going through and you can't wait to be back. So I appreciate you loving the family enough to, to stay home and, and take care of us and not pass it along. For those who are truly worried about COVID, and there are a lot of them who are truly worried about COVID, I'm, I'm just afraid to, to get out in the public. I'm afraid to be in public. I'm afraid I might get it. That's all well and good, but I got to plug one in right here that I already lost a couple families over, but I can't help it. It's still the truth. If you're going everywhere else in public and that's your excuse not to come to church, that one ain't going to work. If you're not going in public, don't go in public. Don't just say I'm not going in public and go everywhere but church. If you're staying at home because it's just easier, oh, I've heard it so many times. I just got lazy. Man, that, that 12 weeks that the church was shut down, I got so used to doing church in my pajamas, sitting around drinking my coffee, eating a donut. Man, I just got lazy. That, that's selfish ambition. That, that's vain. Y'all hear a lot of laughing. We was all in that boat, wasn't we? See, y'all don't realize that two weeks of quarantine was the first for me. Those 12 weeks when y'all couldn't be here, I was here every Sunday. And I knew y'all were out there, so I could love on you out there. I knew you were there, but I, I got to be here. That was my first two weeks to be out. So for those who are saying, well... It's just easier to not have to get up and get dressed. Man, it's just so much easier with the kids. I don't have to get up and get them breakfast. I don't have to get up and get all the kids ready. It's just easier. Those are selfish conceits. Those things bring no glory to God. They're not done to glorify God. Those are things for self. 
I'll put a little free tidbit in as we close. If you don't like church, there's a good chance you're probably not going to like heaven. Okay, church is the gathering together of the saints, the coming together in one accord to worship the Lamb of God, to lift up His name, to pray in one accord, to be together. What does that sound like? When, when, when heaven, in heaven, we're all going to be present, we're all going to be there, we're all going to gather around, we're all going to sing praises together in one accord. Sounds a lot like church to me. When we get to heaven, we're going to be worshiping. We're going to have some songs going on. We're going to be loving God the Father, loving Jesus Christ the Son, loving the Holy Spirit, and loving one another as we worship together. Sounds a lot like church to me. I'm just saying church isn't really a prerequisite, a forerunner, if you will. Church is a picture of what we're going to get to experience when we get to glory. All being together, all getting to worship, being filled with the Holy Spirit. So if you're not crazy about church, you probably don't care much about heaven. I don't see a whole lot of difference in what the Word of God tells me we're going to be doing when we get there. If you don't enjoy worship now, you probably ain't going to enjoy worshiping then. Kind of like people say, well, I'll pay my tithes if God give me a million. If you ain't paying on a hundred, you ain't going to pay on a million. The church is God's institution. The church is God's. It's the body of Christ. The church is going to get where the church is going to go with the power of God. But when you're missing, it makes progress difficult. It's a handicap. God expects his children, all of us, all of you, God expects his children to be at the house of God. If you've been looking to find a church, or you've been looking to join the church. It, that, that doesn't come from us. That comes from the Holy Spirit. Okay? The yearning, the drawing inside comes from the Holy Spirit. We know we need to be in church. I know I need to find a church. I know I need to be getting up on Sunday morning. That, that's not flesh. That's the Holy Spirit side trying to get some things right. Now, now let me give you something for free. You can't get to the next place in your walk with the Lord till you get past that place. You don't get to pass go and go around and come around again. When God is dealing with you, perfect example is baptism. After salvation, the first ordinance of God, the first law of God, the first thing we're supposed to do after salvation is buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. That is the first commandment after salvation. Until you have obeyed what God gave you to do, you can't move on to the next step. The same thing is true with joining the church, being a part of the church, and working in the church and serving the Lord. We don't get to move and do something else until we're obedient in the area where God is dealing with us. So if God's been dealing with somebody about being in church, you're not going to get past it until you get things right with the Lord. Whatever God's dealing with, does that make sense? It's not just church. God is dealing with everybody in here about something. I don't have a doubt in my mind. There ain't a person in here that the Holy Spirit of God isn't convicting you about something. Whatever it is in your life that the Holy Spirit is dealing with you on, you cannot go to the next step until you have fulfilled the one where you're at. That's God pulling us to be all that he wants us to be. Going to church is essential if you're going to live a Christian life. If we're going to grow in our relationship with God, being here is essential. Can I, can I tell you something? You being here today is essential because there's somebody out there this week that you're going to talk to. There's somebody out there that needs to hear from you. You need some biblical reasons why they need to be in church because they're going to give you all kinds of excuses why they're not there. 
the excuses aren't going to work when they stand before God. I don't want them looking over at me going, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me when they're standing there at judgment? I want to be the one to tell them. I want us to be the one to try to encourage them. How many of you know, you're here this morning, how many of you know the church helps you? I mean, you can be in a bad mood. I know. I know. I see you fighting in the parking lot when you come in. <laughs> I heard that. Might have been Joe Arthur talking about seeing a couple. I think it was Ike Riker back where we come from. Talking about a couple fighting in the parking lot. And fought all. And when they come in the building, they just so happy. He said, but he's in the parking lot. And he saw them. And they got back in the car. Beep, 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 right back out of the parking lot. Picked up right where they left off. Man, we, we need church. Battle. battle. The battle is in life. Life gives us enough to deal with. We need one another. We need strength. Most of all, we just need to come together for worship. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 6. Even if the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall confirm you to the end, that ye may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom ye were called unto the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye be all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Romans 15, 5 and 6, Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another, or one another, according to Christ Jesus, that ye may be with one mind, one mouth, glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Last text, I'll read you, Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels of mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. That's why we come to church, to be one in Christ, to be strengthened and put together, amen? Washed by the same blood, saved by the same grace, written in the same book of life, Going to the same heaven. Going to spend all of eternity together. We're just going to practice it now. Amen. I guess you to bow your heads just for a minute. Close your eyes. The Lord's dealing with you with anything. You, you can sit there and pray however you like. But I do want to ask you real quick. If there's anybody this morning that you've never trusted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Absolute worst thing that can happen today is for you to walk out of here lost. Not knowing Jesus Christ. The absolute worst thing that can happen is to die in this life without Jesus Christ. That is eternal damnation. Be separated from God for all of eternity. You can change all that today. Every one of us were born in sin. In sin did our mother conceive us. All born into a world of sin. But Jesus Christ came to pay the price. God made a way to restore that which was lost with Adam and Eve in the garden. When the Spirit died, God made a way that the Spirit might be born again. Why said, said the man be born again, he shall not see the kingdom of God. We must be born in the Spirit of God. How do I do it? By trusting Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. If you've never trusted Christ, your personal Lord and Savior, it starts with a confession of our own mouth. Lord, I'm a sinner. I've had that conversation recently, and I had somebody say, that's just that Baptist stuff. Y'all always start out, I'm a sinner. I said, that's because I am. I had them tell me that I feel like I deserve to go to heaven. So we're a lot different because I know I deserve to go to hell. But thank God I don't have to because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And neither do you. But you do have to have a Savior and His name is Jesus Christ. Are you willing to pray this morning? Lord, I'm asking you to come into my heart and forgive me of my sin. I confess that I'm a sinner. 
and I want to be saved. And I know that Jesus Christ is the only way that I can be saved. And Father, I'm asking you in the name of Jesus Christ to forgive me of my sins. Save my soul in Jesus' name. There's only one way, and his name is Jesus. If you guys go ahead and stand where you're at, we're going to worship. They're going to sing.